Listener Production. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to The Scorecard. I'm Liam Flanagan, and this is your fast, fun hit of sport for Thursday, the 2nd of September. Today, our first and hopefully last time talking about the Taliban on The Scorecard. Toby Green's headed back to the tribunal, and the medals come tumbling in at the Paralympic Games. But first... As a result of COVID-19, there are plenty of Australians who right now just want to get the hell out of wherever they are. And Aussie NBA superstar Ben Simmons knows the feeling. Simmons has told Sixers ownership and management he no longer wants to remain on that team. The three-time All-Star does not intend to report to training camp when it starts at the end of September, which is in just a few weeks. After weeks of speculation about whether or not the 76ers would trade Simmons after his less than impressive playoff performance, Ben has thrown the toys out of the pram and is now refusing to front up to training camp ahead of the new NBA season. What does this do to the Sixers? Well, the 76ers now are forced to decide between a limited set of options. They can ignore Simmons' request and fine him if he doesn't turn up for training camp, but given that they're paying him over $33 million for the upcoming season, I'm not sure Ben's going to be bothered by a little fine. You and I will have more money than God. They can try and trade him immediately and move on with their season. The problem with that is that every other team now knows Ben wants out of the 76ers, so they'll be trying to offer up as little as possible to score Simmons on the cheap. Or the 76ers could wait. Patience, my love. Wait and hope that Simmons returns to the club at some point, gets back on the court, and shows the rest of the league why he's worth paying full price for in a trade. But even that strategy has possible downsides, as Chris Broussard explained on Fox Sports 1. If there's truth to this noise, then you do have to move him. I get them not wanting to trade him for less than they should get for him, but you don't want him going into training camp. When you've got designs on getting to the NBA Finals, and if he goes into training camp and is disgruntled and just brings everybody down with his attitude, and it almost becomes like a James Harden situation in Houston last year, that's not the way you want to start your season. And that would lower his trade value and what teams are willing to offer him even more. So for now, Ben Simmons' future remains undecided. He's been our best player all, all, all season and such an important member. We'd, we'd love to have him running out every week. You know, however, you know, we accept the punishment that's been given. Um, Toby himself has you know, shown remorse for his actions and, and to the umpire for his actions, and, and you, just, you, know, you just simply can't do that in our game. Giants captain Stephen Cornelio speaking about teammate Toby Green, who after copping a three-week suspension, had probably mentally checked out of the AFL season. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. The AFL announced yesterday it will officially appeal the three-week suspension Green was handed for making intentional contact with field umpire Matt Stevich on the basis that the sanction is manifestly inadequate, with the AFL's GM of football Andrew Dillon insisting that the AFL has a responsibility to act in the interests of all in the sport. But on Triple M's midweek rub, Daisy Thomas and Wayne Carey were clearly unimpressed with the AFL's decision to seek a greater punishment. Toby is now, he's going to be the man who they changed the rule because of uh, the looks and that. Not the evidence again, not what was given, not what actually happened because of the look and the aesthetics of it that you can't touch an umpire. Once again, if if you go off the evidence of the umpire, and I think what he's been given is fair. As a result of the travel and quarantine arrangements the Giants are having to deal with for tomorrow night's game against the Cats in Perth, the AFL has graciously agreed to delay the hearing until after the grand final. 
The final departure of the US military after 20 years and their Taliban adversaries celebrate across Kabul. I'll be honest, I didn't think I'd have any reason to wade into the serious news space and talk about the Taliban taking back control of Afghanistan on this podcast. But cricket knows no boundaries. Following their takeover, the Taliban have given the green light to the November scheduled test match between Afghanistan and Australia, telling SBS that previously organised matches will, quote, continue without interruption and the Afghan team can play with other international teams, end quote. A spokesperson for Cricket Australia told SBS that the planning for the first ever test match between the two countries, scheduled to be played in Hobart at the end of November, is well underway. Everything's going according to plan. It also appears the Afghan men's T20 team will be free to play in the upcoming T20 World Cup in the UAE. But sadly, it appears the Taliban's control over Afghanistan has cast a shadow over the future of women's cricket in the country. Time for an update from Tokyo as the Paralympic Games roll into their second week with Australia currently sitting eighth on the medal tally with a massive swag of 60 total medals. But last night, the back-to-back gold medal dreams of one of our most high-profile Paralympians was squashed. And a little bit of finesse from big finishes. And look at the elation. It's a gold medal in the quad doubles for Netherlands. What an entertaining match we've had. Disappointment for Dylan Alcott and Heath Davidson. But four players that just play at the most elite level. As called on Australia's official Paralympic broadcaster, Channel 7, Aussie quad doubles pair Dylan Alcott and Heath Davidson won silver last night, going down to the Dutch pairing of Niels Vink and Sam Schroeder in straight sets. Davidson and Alcott were unable to repeat their gold-winning efforts from Rio, but Alcott is through to the gold medal match in the quad singles final today after defeating one half of that Dutch team, Niels Vink, in the semi-final on Tuesday. I just love the Paralympics. Can you tell? I get emotional how much I love it. I don't know how many more I got left, so I thought I was done then and just reminded myself to enjoy it and I just love what the Paralympic represents. It changed, saved my life, it honestly did and that was the best match I've ever played, been a part of and it was here where I knew it would be, you know, it's special. And who's waiting for him in the gold medal match? The other Dutchman, Sam Schroeder. Alcott and Schroeder will do battle for gold and silver today as Alcott fights to keep his dream of winning all four Grand Slams and an Olympic gold medal in the calendar year alive. But, as he told Channel 7, there's something much bigger at stake. I wanted to come to this Paralympic Games and I wanted to be tested. I wanted to play the best. I wanted to have awesome matches and show what the, you know, not only how elite athletes with a disability can be, but if you watch that, your perceptions of disability hopefully as a whole has changed. It, it changes cultures, breaks down negative stigmas, changes opinions, and hopefully that's not just in participation in sport. Hopefully that is in employment, in dating, in travel, in education. And um, I just bloody love it here. I love it. And that is your fast, fun hit of sport for Thursday, the 2nd of September. I'm Liam Flanagan. Catch you tomorrow for your week-ending hit of the scorecard. Listener.